All right, now we're good. Butterscotch, chicken fingers, all that there good stuff. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Carlos Diaz is back. This is actually episode 100. So you, is it really? So you get to be episode awesome, 100 of the, of the podcast. Beautiful. Um, let's get right into it, man. We both had knee surgery. <laughs> sucks getting old, my man. But listen, it sucks getting old, but it's better than the alternative. So I'll take it. <laughs> so... Uh, last time you were on, I saw you. You had the the hinge metal brace. Yes. You were definitely you know slow to get around. You described the you know you I bend my knee. It's like snap, crack, Lot, pop. Lots of pain. It was discomfort. I couldn't really train. I couldn't lift. I... So you ended up going to Jewett, Jewett yes. Orthopedic. Yes. And um, you this was what two weeks ago you got surgery. Yes. So tell me what the, what was that experience like? And, and I'll I'll kind of share mine afterwards because. You sent me a picture, uh, and I don't know if it was you were actually there waiting to go in or if you had you were back home and you'd already taken so the I, picture. So I sent you two pictures kind of side by side. One yeah. was right before the surgery. I says like, you know what? I know Noah just got surgery. Fuck him. And he's like, I know he got the other leg. Now he's right. I think it was his left leg. So we can, out of all four of our legs, we can put one together good. And I'm going to take the picture before and after the hospital. And actually, I don't remember taking the picture leaving the hospital because I was so doped up on the anesthetics, yeah. um, which is funny because everybody reacts a little different when you come out of surgery. And my wife, this is... You know, my wife is the second time she knows I've been having surgery. I had shoulder surgery a couple of years ago. And I was like, one of the things that she always says, it was hilarious because I started singing Return of the Mac to the top of my lungs. It's like the second my eyes opened, I started singing Return of the Mac, right? Um, this one, <laughs> the nurses send me a card, like a get well soon type card. And the nurse, her name was Sherry. And she says, and thank you. You were the best wake up I've ever seen for singing. Um, I forget the, the artist's name, but he's very New Jersey style, 80s rock. I was saying, oh, Sherry, oh, my love, <laughs> to the top of my lungs. The nurse told me this when, you know, obviously they don't allow your, your, your family member to be yeah. there to pick you up. The nurse told my wife over the phone that I have no recollection of that. And again, I have no recollection of me taking a picture. So I'm glad I didn't do a video doing something stupid while I'm waking up from anesthesia. But it was a good experience overall. Uh, Dr. K, don't try to ask me to pronounce his last <laughs> name, uh, off of Jewett right there, off of a university close to the... Um, what's around there? There is a first watch Yeah, on university. He's like across the street okay and uh they were awesome you know they were you know he he's a he's a triathlete himself and he's like listen you know i explained to him i do jujitsu i like weightlifting and this and that and he's like listen with your age and everything you're not going to be like you're 20 back 25 years old but i'm going to do everything i can to put you back on the mats he's like actually my kid is trying to look at getting into jiu-jitsu his kid is a teenager obviously i told him about paul and the guys yeah, here yeah. but um i guess they live in winter park so they're looking at tarsus academy yeah, yeah. um but um but yeah man he was he was great 
And he's the kind of guy, what I liked about him, he's like, okay, this is the problem. This is what we need to do. This is what we need to do to get it fixed. How soon you want to get in? I'm like, I want to get in now. All right. Uh, let me look at the calendar. All right. Two weeks. Thursday morning, 5 a.m. Say so you're there. Bet. Let's go. Yeah. So sure enough. Very matter of fact. Just very straight guy. Not BSing. Not trying to, well, let's get another exam for this. And I need you to do that. No. Let's get it done. And uh, went in, and I feel my first week, obviously, it's expected. I was in quite a bit of pain. One of, you know, I don't take, um, I don't like taking painkillers. or I don't, I'm yeah. not I'm I not did that, that for guy. a day and a half, and then I got off that I, shit. I did take a copious amount of ibuprofen the first two days. Yeah. Um, the first day, I really did, was, I guess, from the anesthetic still That's in my still system. still wearing off, yeah. Yeah, but the second day, I can feel the pain. Um a lot of ice, icing the knee, you know, rice, keep it elevated, ice, compression. Um, but, uh, you know, I I can walk fairly straight-ish now. Yeah. You know, I can do little No, they got you weight-bearing right away. I had to I had to go four weeks without any sort of weight-bearing. Yeah. That was so, my protocol. So, yeah, I think it's great. Yeah. Like, you already got your knee bent at, yeah, like, 90. This, is, this doesn't bother. If I go any further, I'm at, you know, I'm not going to say 90 fully. Yeah, if I go any further, I start feeling a little pressure. Yeah. Uh, again, I can walk, I can sit down. It takes me a little, I got to use some little momentum to stand up. Um, but in my opinion, you know, nine and a half out of ten. Yeah. You know? And you, and you were telling me beforehand, you got your ACL kind of uh, smoothed out. Because yes. it was bearding on, on, the, on the tendon, yes. uh, or the ligament rather. And then... The MCL, they didn't. They said was damaged, but they didn't touch anything. They didn't do anything. With the it. the MCL had bearding, but the meniscus I had a tear. Okay, so the meniscus. Now, did they, did they just clean that up, or did they actually uh, suture it together? Both. Both. Okay. Yeah, because it was not a full tear. Gotcha. So it was like a fifty percent tear. So they had to suture some stuff up, and then clean clean the other side. All up. the other side. Okay. And they call it polishing. I think. Polishing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's funny that you said about the personality of your doctor, Doctor K. You mm -hmm. said, um, so I, I hate that I don't remember his full name. He's got like a weird. Well, you, like you showed me the guy's full Connor, name, Connor or <laughs> Connor, something. I, I no, so uh, I, I got my surgery done uh, six weeks ago, and it was at uh, Ju uh, not Jewett, um, Orlando Orthopedic, and my doctor was Doctor Brad Burkhart, and that was the same thing. He just came in and. He was very matter of fact. It wasn't. He wasn't like. He wasn't uh, like very jolly, but he wasn't like negative or a prick to me or anything like that. He just. This is what it is, you know. Let's and the plan was to actually have, um, the damage kind of cut out. So I wasn't going to have any sort of repair, um, based on what my MRI was. He's like, I'm going to take out 25% of the medial meniscus, so your inside, and that equates to you know 12.5% of the total meniscus in that knee. And he said, you know. When I, I had mine done, it's not a big deal. And, you know, in like four weeks, I was back to sprinting. So, um, you know, my big thing was, well, you're taking out some cartilage. Isn't that going to increase the likelihood of, of arthritis? He said, well, the fact that you had the injury, that was the problem. Right. You know, now the question is, how do we get your knee as functioning as possible? And I'm not taking out too much, but it's not as though, um, 
he said it's a misconception that people go online like myself and be like, oh, if you take out part of the meniscus, you increase the likelihood of, of arthritis. Because you had the injury to create the tear in the first place, sure. that's what increased the likelihood of you getting arthritis in the future, right? Right. So uh, he went in there. It's going to be a 15-minute surgery, and uh, he saw something that, you know, he made the call to actually repair it. So he kept all it in. He was in there for like, I think, 50, 55 minutes. And the funny thing is when I woke up, um, I guess I was super emotional because, and I do remember this. I just remember kind of being awake and then them saying a few things. I just burst out crying. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm just bawling. And then the, the problem, I guess, is that, so I'm home, you know, so they, same thing. Nobody's allowed in. They wheel you, you they call your, your ride. They wheel you out and then your right. ride picks you up. So, right. you know, so my ride picks me up. I say, how'd it go? And the minute I start... And I just start crying again. <laughs> so then I get home. And of course, my parents, both my parents are up in Maine waiting for this call to be like, how to go? So I'm there with my buddies. Actually, Victor was watching me that night. And uh, he tells me he never recorded me. I still think he has a recording of me bawling. That's funny. Somewhere. I hope he did, man. I hope, he did. I, hope, I hope in the next month or so it comes out and he puts it on social media so we can have a good laugh. So the, I call them and, and they ask, well, what happened? And I can't get a word out. And I start bawling now, <laughs> which is hilarious. But now imagine. But Vic now your parents up in Maine exactly. are concerned. So, so my Victor knows immediately what's going on. Yeah. He can see their faces. He's like, they're freaking out. They're like, did our son lose his leg? Like yeah. what, did, what tragic thing happened? So he was a second away from being like, it's okay. And I guess I, I said, no, no, it's all good news. <laughs> but I'm still, That's awesome. That's funny. But it's, um, dude, it's crazy. I'm, I look at your knee. I look at my knee. All this shit they did in there, two little incisions. Yeah. That's you it. Know. It's just two small incisions, you know. And I, I still remember if anybody back in the days had a meniscus, you were gonna have a, a three-inch yeah. scar, you know, on the side of your leg. Um, but you know, that's the beauty of technology. And I know. I, I'm just thinking, if this is a hundred years ago, we'd just be limping with the, with you know, it's it with pain for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, shut up and take it. So it's, um, yeah, it's a real blessing that what modern medicine can do. And um, I guess. What was the experience? What did they give you before to relax you? And what was that like? Because they, they, they gave me fentanyl or fentanyl. I don't know how you say uh -huh. it. And I freaked out a little bit because uh, I was doing really calm. My, my blood pressure was fine there. The nurse I had was really good. But I've seen like news stories like fentanyl kills all these people. Like it's sure. this hard narcotics. So I was like, oh, God, they're giving me some hard shit. Yeah. You know? So, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I do remember the anesthesiologist or anesthetist yeah. nurse came in and he goes, okay, we're going to ready to wheel you out. We're going to take you to the room. I'm going to give you a little bit of medicine right away and you're going to feel it. And I was like, all right. So he puts the thing on the IV within 10 seconds. I was like, oh <laughs> shit. Like I literally remember yelling it out <laughs> and they were like, are you all right? And I'm like, oh yeah, my body's buzzing my ears are zinging and i'm like wow and i remember what i said that like all the nurses were cracking up and it was like the weirdest feeling man because it was like i know i'm gonna take an awesome nap but i'm like jacked up and then i i remember then from the gurney to yeah. the surgery yeah, table yeah, yeah and the guy all right man we're gonna get started in about and that's all I remember. 
Oh, so the guy, I don't remember him finishing you, the you sentence. You don't remember the mask? Did they put the mask over your face? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> and here's the thing. So I, I do use a CPAP machine to sleep. So I know that they put a mask yeah. on me. But again, all I remember is them taking him from the gurney to the surgery table. And the, and the anesthetist nurse telling me, okay, man, we're about to... Yeah, and I don't remember the last of the. So it's funny I because like, I was told like we'll give you medicine so you don't remember anything. I remember pretty much everything going up to the surgery, yeah. and then at that point, it's black, and yeah. then it's fuzzy on the back end. Like yeah. me getting picked up, I I don't really rem I remember waking up briefly. I don't really remember the ride down the elevator. Yeah, I remember being picked up. You know, it's funny. Really, you know, so I, yeah, you say you say I do remember waking up. I don't remember me singing to the nurses. I guess I'm a frustrated karaoke singer because, again, every surgery, I've had, you know, three or four major surgeries, and I've always been told that that's like one of the things that I do right off the wow. bat. I start singing, and I'm not a good singer at all, man. I'm terrible. Uh, but I guess you lose all your inhibitions yeah. at that moment. So uh, I do that. I, I do know that I was cracking jokes. Oh, I do know this. So hearing the person next to me and the doctor telling them well you need to start stretching more blah 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 and me yelling to the guy you need to get into jujitsu and yoga stop being a punk and i remember one of the nurses coming to me he's like oh whoa, 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 whoa. you okay oh yeah yeah i'm just telling the guy next door that he needs to get into jujitsu and yoga so it's funny you say that because so i remember they got me in i was waiting i think i was like third on deck for surgery so they had the they had the medicine, so to speak, the hard stuff, um, queued up. So yeah. they had the IV, but they hadn't released it yet. Right. And they said, 30 minutes out, we'll give you that. You'll feel that and relax. So I get that, and I, it hits me like right away. And I just kind of feel like, I hate to use these, these, uh, Analogies. these cliche terms because everyone yeah. says, but I kind of just felt like light and floaty. And, and, and I was fine. I, I, you know, I wasn't... Uh, I was like, okay. I felt like I was really drunk without wanting to black out. So you know how you kind of lose control of your, yeah, your yeah, back? Yeah. That's what I felt like a little bit. Anyway, surgical nurse comes in. Or it could have been the anesthetist nurse. I don't know. But it was one of the, one of the personnel that was going to be in there. She starts, I think, just making small talk. She picked the wrong subject because she asked me about <laughs> jujitsu and jujitsu gym. Does she really? So I, my eyes light up. So yeah. I was like kind of chill. And then I was like, Oh, well, jujitsu, it's really hard because obviously it's a new skill, but because you don't know anything about it, it's really hard for you to go into a gym and know if it's a good gym or not. Yeah. So this is what I'm sounding like. All of a sudden, like, I'm loose. I don't know how lucid I am, but anyway, long story short, they wheel me in. First thing I hear her say to somebody else is, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if we gave him enough. I gave him another, like, 10 cc. <laughs> <laughs> They got they they asked the the one question that the one question that got, got you all excited. I'm like, and then like, well, we didn't knock this guy out enough. So I remember same exact thing That's getting funny. moved from the gurney to the surgical uh, bed. Yeah, I remember them taking. I remember they had a uh, something around my other leg for like a compression yeah. thing. Yeah, but they put one arm face up. They put another arm face up, and then at that point, the mask came over, and within a second, that was it. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember the mask. I don't remember how they, what I, no, I don't remember if they place anything on my legs. You know what? And now that you mention it, I do remember that they asked me to put my arm palm, palm up. up. Yeah. 
And then I remember the nurse saying, oh, well, we're about to. And I, the rest of the sentence, he, whatever, he could have talked about monkeys. Yeah. Because in... I don't remember, then after way the surgery, I don't remember the coming down the elevator. And I was kind of like coming in and out and trying to now, get. What about like getting in the car and stuff? I do remember getting in the car. Did that hurt like hell? No, because I was still so out so of it. That for me hurt like hell. Getting into the car, like I just felt like anytime my leg had to move, yeah. it felt like, what it felt like my Pressure going body, down? It felt like everything was like ripping. So it felt like my leg suddenly was a bunch of was just a bunch of fibers connected and they're just being like pulled constantly. So and I was like, funny oh. that you make funny you make that description because I still feel a little bit of something that, but on the back of my leg. Yeah. On my calf, you know, my hamstring a little bit. Um, I don't remember the ride home. And then throughout the whole day, obviously, you know, I'm going in and out, take a nap, get up, you know, trying to go to the restroom or... You know, that's the other thing about those those narcotics is so they, they make you constipated. So I, I, I did a day and a half of um, whatever it was one of the it's one of the it's a codone type thing. Yeah. And uh, it, I would take some. It would definitely dull the pain. I'd get sleepy. Yeah. I didn't shit for two days. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Yeah, I just made sure like, I just made sure that to drink lots of fluids because I knew that. You know, some of the hard stuff constipates you real bad. Yeah. So I was I was drinking. I have this big jug that is probably like one and a half liters. Sure. And I, I would I I know I made an effort and even still I'm trying to down, you know, between five or six of those a day. You know, so I was like going to the restroom and urinating all day long and um but yeah, it's um Listen, I, I, I rec definitely recommend Dr. K with Jewett Orthope and Orlando yeah. Orthopedic. Um, they were he, he was great. I feel, you know, two weeks out, but relatively yeah, no, very you good. Got, you got good. You know? you've got good mobility there. I feel good. Your I quads can firing. That's I, a big my thing. quads firing. I can, I can try to compress it a little bit. You know, I not not obviously. I I don't feel like I can flex on, on it. Um, you know, but overall, what uh, what's your rehab it. program right now? Um, right now is just a lot of very simple mobility movements. Um, you know, trying to get the stretching, get the, yeah. get the bending on it. Um, I know that's a, that was the big one for me initially. As they said, we want to make sure you can straighten that leg. Yeah. So there's a lot of just and that that even at the beginning, we, uh, you're just trying. Yeah, and at like the said, beginning, the back of your knee is like. Ugh. So even even laying on bed, I. I have again like this the best way that I can like, describe it is like it's a pillow but it's shaped like an ottoman it's kind of like you yeah. know two and a half feet tall cylindric shape and I keep my leg in there and I would force it I force to push the pillow in my leg yeah to get that straightening and then I try to pull it back in to a, a point of comfort and I would do I, I and I still try to do that, you know, and I feel a little clicking in there still, but nothing like it was with pain. So what, uh, how is it to, like, are, are, how do you normally, how do you sleep? Are you, do you sleep on your back? Do you sleep? On I your sleep side? on my side. Usually. Usually. Have you been able to do that yet? Uh, yes. Yes. This week I started being able to okay. do that. Um, I can, you know, 
again, trying to keep my leg elevated throughout the night as much as I can. It's a little weird for me to sleep on my back. And I think it has to do with my CPAP machine. Sure. I feel like I'm used to it. But being on my back, I feel like it's just something pushing me down. Yeah. Um, but now it's like I can turn. I toss and turn a lot at night, even with the machine. So, um, But I'm always turning left and right. Yeah, I remember that was a milestone for me is when I was able to actually kind of just sleep. I like to sleep on my side. And when yeah. I could do it, because I couldn't do it the first, I don't know, week, 10 days, something like yeah. that. You know, it just, and what's funny is, I think subconsciously my body knew that, you know, my leg hurt. So I would just lie on my back and I would sleep and I don't think I would move because I'd wake up every few hours and my yeah. lower back was stiff because yeah. I'm used to moving around at night a little bit. And yeah. I think my body wasn't doing that. So once I was able to sleep through the night, that was like a big deal. Like, oh, thank God I can sleep yeah. through the night. You know? you know, one of the things that I've always done, I, I sleep with like two or three pillows. So I sleep slightly elevated. Okay. Um, but then I always end up with either one pillow or no pillow. Yeah, it's like me. The pills are off the bed at that. <laughs> so that's, that's just how I sleep. Um, you know, like the first week, it's just like you said. I would still be elevated in the same spot, same position. So your body kind of has this sense of let's not move too much tonight, yeah. you know. But once again, I would wake up several times throughout the night. And kind of like oh, check my surroundings, so to speak, and pass out again. What uh, what was the recovery time that your doctor gave you? So he has given me one month for to to reach certain milestones. Yep. Um, then another month out of that, um, I have my next um, checkup on the thirtieth of the month. Okay. Um, then they're actually one of the problems that I had is I have very minimal cartilage. Uh, so they're doing, they're injecting some kind of gel to help with that portion there. And then from that point, another month uh, of recovery from the gel injection and certain other milestones, being able to walk certain distance with no pain, um, being able to do full squats and things like the mobility point. And then from there, he told me he's like, you know, three months from surgery date you should be at a point that you can start yeah to to reach you know to start being mobile enough being very careful you know being very mindful about what you do with it and and your training taking it easy not trying to sort of butterfly sweep somebody that is 250 pounds and things like that but he says you know overall time between three to six months at the six month mark you should be about 80 to 100%. Yeah, that's exactly the same timeline I was given, you know. Yeah. And, and it's funny because I don't think when, when I've seen like athletes when I was younger, oh, they had such and such knee surgery or whatever. And, and you look at a recovery time like, man, that's a long time. But I don't think I realized how quickly you'd be up and about. To me, I thought it would be like, oh, shit, they're, they're down with their knee wrap for many months. It's, yeah. The initial recovery is not too, is pretty fast. It's the slow and steady to get back to, to you get where back you to were where at you were, exactly. before the injury like week over week already like what's happened these two weeks since i've been able to put weight on it like i can i saw improvement from monday to friday this week in, in my ability to bend my knee like yeah. i took picture like i can bend this much on yeah. friday i could bend it more 
but you're still moving at a certain rate. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and you know, I, I noticed something that you're really good about. You put your little videos to kind of like sort of accountability. This is where I'm at today. Yeah. And I see, you know, you do your little workouts and do your follow-ups. And I know you just, you know, like you guys are busting each other's jobs, you know, yeah. the things that you do with Elliot. But it's also accountability on I'm here doing my recovery. Um, and, you know, that's one of the things I'm being super diligent with my recovery because come September, hopefully certain things happen. I get to smash some people up. You know? So Okay, so let's get to that. So <laughs> uh, you were in a I don't remember who was the initial post. I just kept seeing it getting shared. But it was basically the ADCC crew against the flow grappling. Who's number one? Is that make it happen, baby? Okay, so. How did this originate, and do you know who made that initial it, post? It was a so you know it was funny because we were down in Brazil for the South American trials uh, for the ADCC South American, and we were just joking, and you know how people are always suggesting to flow and suggesting to Mo Jassim, oh we should do X Y and C matches, and I and I don't know who actually said it. We should do ADCC versus flow, and I was like hell yeah let's do it. So I'm like, I've been advocating for it from day one, and I'm actually the one that did that little crop okay, picture. You did it. Okay, you Okay, that's awesome. And it's so funny enough that I was able to find uh, a picture of Peter Batalski, who's the head judge for ADCC, Mo Jassim, who's the organizer for the World Championships, and me. It was a picture we took down in Brazil, and I found a picture of Ricardo Amendolia, um, Mike Sears, and Haywell, and uh, the three of them, and their picture is kind of funny because they have like Santa. It's a Christmas party, I guess. Sure. And Santa Claus is behind them, and I was like, so they look kind of goofy versus the three of us that we we're kind of serious type guys. And I was like, oh, this is great. We got to put this together. So everybody's been loving it. And I told Mo, Mo Jassim, it's like, man, we should really make this happen. And he's like, it's very possible. I'm I'm down for it. And I told Peter, but Peter Batalski is actually a very good black belt himself. And he's like, I'll do it. I don't care. And I'm like, hey, man, I just, I just need the thumbs up from Mike Sears and Highwell and Ricard. Listen, I know Mike. Mike is actually just got his black belt probably, at, I think it was at either at the end of the year of 2021. But Mike is a tough dude. People don't think he's just like, you know, yeah, his persona. Yeah. But he's a really tough dude. And How... So how good is like how good of a grappler is Mo? Because I know he grapples with everyone. Like he's very kid. good. Okay, and and he, unless he was bullshitting, he said he got his brown under JT Torres. Correct, he did. His purple belt and his brown belt got him from JT. So w is that who he was training with primarily at, when he's in, in the states? Like because he's always like the joke was like he had that not the joke but the you know he had that that summit in South Florida. Everyone came in and everyone's grappling, but. Oh, by the way, Mo's rolling with everyone, too, because he's trying to, you know, I've rolled with everybody. So um, I didn't know if from a from a outsider looking in, it was hard for me to know, is Mo the kind of guy that is, because of his position, rolls with everybody, but he doesn't take, he's not as good, or is the guy actually legit in his own right? When he said that he got his brown, and you're telling me his purple as well from JT, now I'm like, well, this guy's legit because JT's not handing these things Very out. Mo's very <laughs> legit. Listen, I've seen... I think I rolled with him once. I think. Um, he seems like a big guy, too. He's, he's sort of... 
He's about, you know, 5'10", 5'11". Okay, so he's not as tall as I thought. Um, you know, maybe around 180, 200 pounds. He fluctuates between here okay. and there. You know, the thing is, between his work and everything that he does, you know, his businesses and everything, he travels so much. Sure. Uh, so it's hard for him to be consistent on, on his training. Um, so that's why, he, I mean, he's been training 20 plus years. Um, but again, it, it's a little challenging for him to be consistent because his work and lifestyle. Um, but what he does, again, because his position, he has the connection with all these guys. So he's always training with some of the best guys in the world. Um, man, most good. Yeah. And he's very deceptively strong because he's not one of these guys that you see and he's muscular and traps up to his ears and he's not built like that um but he's really strong you know and and he's he's got a you know he's very flexible for his size um he's very technical i mean he trains he has trained a lot so he's he's good that's awesome he, he's considering again not only doing the little australian tag team match thing that, that we came <laughs> up with as a joke as a joke but not a joke but he's actually genuinely considering doing at uh, the world championships we will be doing an adcc open and he's considering just jumping in and competing with the whoever shows up in his division oh that's awesome so you know um i don't think he's ever generally competed at a regular organized tournament but he, he's a tough dude man that's awesome what uh Tell me, because when you were last on, you guys had finished up the East Coast Trials, which was his, which was just historic in terms yeah. of its turnout. West Coast Trials is going to beat the shit out of that. It's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. We, we more than doubled the, the, the amount of participants. The amount of participants alone. Yeah. We've, they've doubled. Um, you know, when you look at, at a single bracket, you have to understand... There's no belt levels here. It's just, let's throw youth. And these are people that think that they are the best of the best. You're not going to jump in in a trial tournament not thinking, I'm not going to fare well. Yeah. You know? The 77 division, we had to cap out at 256 participants because otherwise we would easily surpass 300 and it would be a weekend just for one division so we i'm sure we're over the thousands one at least 1000 participants overall yeah no i saw that you know and uh it's going to be ridiculous when you look at some of the names and you say okay so this guy may be uh, let's say top 16 this is the guy at the bottom of, of the seating on the top 16. You're like, that's insane to think that a guy that is, let's say, for example, two-time Pan American no, uh, or two-time World Nogi champion. And this is the guy at the bottom of the 16-man bracket. So who's is that just Mo making seatings based on... Well, I mean, when you look at their accomplishments, yeah, there's guys with a name that has you know one world championships or two world championships 
you know, I, and I don't want to put anybody out there since I'm not saying any names, but I yeah. know for a fact there's one guy that is a two-time world champion, no gi world champion, and he's in the bottom of the top 16 guys. That's insane. Yeah. You know, Th and that just tells you the caliber alone of participants. And that doesn't in. include all these 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 incredible collegiate wrestlers that have been that does that's right. That that's the other thing that have been secretly training, you know, jujitsu. Nobody's really heard of it in the grappling scene, right? But so they're all I'll, American. I'll give you an example <laughs> on the East Coast. I, I know Pat Downing has taken a turn in his life and focused on MMA because he's got a contract with Bellator. Um, but the East Coast. Pat Downey hasn't, that was his first jiu-jitsu tournament, the East Coast Trials. <laughs> Pat Downey, this is a guy of the USA World Team Champion member, you know? He, what, two-time two NCAA Division I All-American, you know? This, at one time, he was top, uh, if he wasn't the top 83 or top one or two 83 kilo in our nation, you know, top 10 in the world. Come on, man. You know, and, and you get your first bracket and it's like your first round. And you have Pat Downey across from you. And it's an event that is heavily focused on wrestling. Pull guard, you're going to get a negative one. What's going to happen? <laughs> you know, so it, it's, it's insane. So you, you have these guys that are, you know, three-time high school state champions that you had never really heard of in the grappling scene. You know, or these guys that are stud wrestlers. And then you have guys, you know, that Keith Krikorian, Majid Haig. Yeah. This is going to be Majid Haig's fourth ADCC trial this year, and he has podium in three of them. He just has not won <laughs> gold medal yet. But it doesn't take away his... No, the uh, the amount of sick level he has. Well, I mean, if you look at that and you look at the size of the brackets, that means he's you know his overall record at trials is going to be. He's over seventy percent yeah. winning. <laughs> exactly. So you you can't pre. I mean, I wouldn't say you bet the house that he's going to podium, but I mean it. You know, That's mathematically, a, it works that way. That's tremendous consistency. So. Tell us, what was the experience like going to Brazil and doing the trials down there? I know, uh, you know, Mo is, was very active on social media, and, and he, you know, he admitted he was tired. That, that looked like it was a long... I mean, I know East Coast Trials was, was, a, was a marathon too, but there's yeah. just something about the Brazil trials that seemed like really took it out of everyone on the Oh well, Yeah, it was exhausting because it's back-to-back -back weekends. It's two so trials. It's two trials. It's two trials back to back. So you have to understand right now, staffing wise, judges and referees wise, you know, that are qualified enough to do event like that, it's limited. So logistically, to be able to do and send, for example, in my case, fly me down to Brazil, lodging and the whole kid and caboodle for one weekend, fly me back to the US, and then the next week or in two weeks or three weeks, fly me down to Brazil. Logistically doesn't make sense, so fly me down to Brazil, do the first weekend, we stay there one more week, and then we'll do the second trials the week after. Was the location the same for both? Or you no, no, no. The first one we did it at a town called Balneario Camburu, okay. uh, which, 
What it, state is that? It's Santa, Santa Catarina. Okay. Santa Catarina. It, I, I have never been to Balneario Camburo. I've been to Brazil several times. I love Balneario Camburo. It's a very touristy town. Um, it's not very big. It's, it's kind of like old shoreline. Um, but it's amazing. You know, the, it, it was, the vibe was awesome. The people are awesome. The food was awesome on freaking real um i you know mo made a joke that we gained 10 pounds in a week i can guarantee you we probably gained more than 10 pounds in that week um but it was super cool because we finished the trials of balneario camburu that sunday then copa podio had an event on the beach and the beach in Balneario Camburu, they got this big Ferris wheel and festivals and music and very that typical Brazilian party mentality. It was just amazing. Um, it was super cool. It's super. I mean, and it's it is Brazil is such a gorgeous country. You you have literally lush summertime. You were down there, and it's the right, and it's Brazilian summertime because it's on the southern hemisphere. Exactly. So, you know, you have on one side, you got this beautiful, lush mountain, jungles, and I mean, and then you're on the beach, and then you got the ocean on the, it was just absolutely amazing. Then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, a lot of logistical work, and then just, you know, making sure that all the equipment goes from one place to another, and then more referee training, and, you know, so we arrived Thursday to Sao Paulo proper um we all got down there thursday afternoon friday another referee seminar um you know we did we did really good we did it in sao paulo at um godoy's academy which was absolutely gorgeous academy huge and um you know we did the referees we did the athletes and um saturday sunday the Sao Paulo trials, and we had a lot of guys that repeat. You know, they they placed second. Majid Hay was an example. You know, placed second, thirds, and they did Sao Paulo trials again the weekend after. You know, Andre Porfirio was one of those guys, and uh, you know their talent. It was very very good. How how close was Mika from actually being able to do the trials again? Was that Mika Galvao will probably never ever in his life will have to do trials again <laughs> let me explain something to you so mika galvao faced south america's best at the balneario camburu trials again these are south america's best sure his total mat time was slightly over five minutes for four matches Woo! <laughs> that's his 100 percent submission rate and total mat time under let's go under six minutes yeah that's insane one match is a six minute match if you go the whole time for trials he spent less time in all his matches put together that's that's crazy. and i'm gonna tell you something i trained with him when we got to Sao Paulo, I gave that kid everything I had. We did about three rounds, and then I did about another three rounds with Diego Reyes, Baby Shark. Yeah. 
I gave Mika Galvao everything I had. And I'm a big guy, so I'm used to training with big guys. I'm gonna tell you something. Whatever you do, don't let him pass your guard. It is probably the most pressure. Yeah, it's probably the most pressure I've ever felt in my life. He truly felt and like he's he had a, a car. 77 kilo? 77 kilo, guys. You know, obviously he's in real good shape, but he doesn't look. He looks like, like a, he's going to put more heft on his body, on his frame. Once he, you know, he's going to put that man muscle on. Oh, he, hold on. He's only 18 years I, old. I was going to say, exactly. <laughs> the guy's not a. <laughs> he's only 18 freaking years old. <laughs> Wait till he's 25. <laughs> he, I'm telling you, man. I know this kid has already been shocking the world. The world hasn't seen the best of him yet. Yeah. It, he's amazing. I mean, you look. He's at a really, truly different level. With him and guys like Colabate, guys that aren't even in their 20s yet. Not even, yeah. You know, and what they're doing. The next generation of, of grapplers. It's is, insane. We're going to see a huge jump. It's insane. We're just going to stay in Masters. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you this. Mika Galvao truly showed me where I belong. In the Master Fours, over 45, <laughs> you know, old fat and happy division. <laughs> yeah, I have no business being down there with this boy. What, what was his story? Because I know he's training at Fight Sport now, but that's kind of a recent thing. Where, so, no, you have to understand. So, he really, truly trains in Manaus, Brazil. Okay. His father, um, they told me the whole story, kind of like how their academy really started, which is phenomenally great. It's actually a social project. Uh, and the state of Manaus gives a lot of support for social projects because they're very remote. Sure. I mean, they're, they're in the jungles, they're in the Amazons. Literally, the state of Manaus is a huge part of the Amazon rainforest. And, and I do know that the state of Manaus is very supportive of social programs to help a lot of these kids that have very low resources. Mika's father is the head coach, obviously, at their academy, um, okay. Melky Gaval. Melky is his um, law enforcement, uh, so he runs his academy very regimented, you know? And you can tell by, you know, how they carry themselves. You can tell, you know, when we were training with, with Mika and Baby Shark, you can, you know, some of their teammates were still training, um, you know, getting ready for the Sao Paulo trials. And you can tell how Melky runs his academy, which I like. I like structure, regiment. You know, there's a plan for things. I'm sure there's a lot of respect. I'm sure there's a Very, lot of... Man, lot. I, and I will tell you a little piece of that training session that showed me that how respectful... Because that gym is very young. So they are a fight sports, a fight sports affiliate. But when they come and compete in the U.S. or spend a little time for some of the events, yes, they go train down at Cyborg's main academy down there in Miami, fight sports. Um, but again, their home base is in Manaus. Um, do you think do you think Cyborg just heard of this guy and said, "Hey, can we No, I don't think somehow? so. I think they've had a long okay. relationship, you know. Um Melky Galvao, I think he's a second or third degree black belt. Um, you know, and he started his kids you know. Where did Melky get his black belt? 
Do you know? I honestly don't know by through whom or how, okay. when, where. I generally do not okay. know. Uh, but like you know, give you an example. You know, Diego Reyes and Fabricio and man, that's another name you guys are about to hear a lot from. Those three kids: Mika Galvao, Diego Hayes, and Fabricio Andre. Fabricio Andre might be my newest and favorite grappler to watch. Really, this kid is intensity to the tenth power from the from go to end. And, you know, his movement, how fast, how athletic and technical together, how he moves is phenomenal. Um, he's And, you know, these kids don't care about scoring points and winning by advantages. They don't. They, they want to show absolute supremacy. And they're always looking for the submission, you know. Um, and obviously you can see it in their matches. You know, most of their matches ended by submission you know um you know when you have i think milky galvao brought in five five to six guys out of his academy and i think if i'm not mistaken i don't think all did but at least four or five of them podium yeah they got at, at, at a highly competitive event like the ADCC trials, it says something that they're doing something yeah, they got, right they got, yeah. down there. And this is the thing. They're not just guard players. They're not just guard passers. They're not just, they're good at everything. And I don't think not even one of these kids are over 20 years old. Maybe one of them is 20. They're doing something right. I mean, if uh, I don't know if, if there's the... A large, I mean, this is always the case with, AD, with, with grappling in general, is, is there a large enough audience? But I think from a spectator point of view, guys at Flow Grappling, if they're listening or anybody that, that has it, you've got enough guys under 20 that you could put together a very sick bracket with you get the Rotolos, you get Mika and his, these guys, you get Colabate, and you can get like the new, the new blood or the new blood. Yeah, the young call blood. new blood. There you go. You know, you're welcome, Flo. Yeah. Um, listen, call a new blood, but every competitor under 21, you know, candy cotton, new blood, whatever you want to call just it. Just think about because because what 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 you're saying is kind of what I've seen too, which is the the scrambles are so much more dynamic now. Oh, God. and so wild. Yeah. But there's. There's a method to the madness. There's they're a purpose, able, right? You know, absolutely. They're, they're able to do this at a, at a very high rate of speed, very dynamically, and they're able to end, you know, land submissions. I mean, you just think about all the Darces that the Rotolas have been hitting, you know, in, in scrambles and stuff, and that's impressive. But, you know, Mika's doing it with the arm bar. Everyone's, I just think that would be exciting um, and, would, and would only just be the start of these are the people that are going to be facing each other in the finals. For the next ten years, at least, know? yeah, for sure. So, uh, I think the only thing Gordon's gotten is in his favor is that he's a lot bigger than all these guys. <laughs> well, you know, listen, let's let, let's let's give credit where credit is due. Gordon, it is he's a big man, but he's also very technical. Oh, absolutely, you know, absolutely. And it's funny because I I know Gordon even sort of prides himself on calling himself non-athletic. Come on, dude. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know? You know. You might not be explosive and and you know, because if you watch his movements, they're deliberate, 
Yes. They're not explosive. Um, like, for example, Nicky Rod, he's explosive. Absolutely. You know? Um, Orlando Sanchez, he's explosive. Jesus Christ. Um, you know, Gordon is methodical. He He's... Come on, dude. Don't call yourself unathletic. That's an insult to, well, to I mean, everybody. You could also just, if you look at Gordon when he was younger, when he hadn't filled out on his frame, like, that's an athletic frame. Tall, yeah, absolutely. Wiry, 100%. You know. He had abs at 18. Yeah. You know, he's an athletic guy. He just, because, you know, he, he's he's very tall. He, I, I think he's around 6'3", 6'4". 6'4", I think. You know? Um, but come on, dude. I, You know, I've seen that dude throw around some weight. You know, um, for some for a photo right before a photo shoot, um, you know, and and again, we've all seen him competing. To shut up, you're not. <laughs> oh, I'm not athletic. You can't do jujitsu without being athletic. You have uh, to. No, be. hold on. You you can do jujitsu without. Not you me. can't do it at that. I level. do jujitsu. I'm not not athletic. You cannot do jujitsu at his level and exactly. not be athletic. Exactly. So, but he's a lot more methodical. He's you know he's very technical, um, and and. The, and also, there's a system and there's there's a purpose to his madness. Um, whether you like him or not, that's undeniable but due, to, due to the results of, sure. you know, when he, he participates. But I'm a huge fan. I've been blessed enough to be watch a lot of these kids participate on events. Um, Colabate, the Rotulos, you know, the... the the, the Mika Galvao, Diego Hayes, uh, the Luca Lopez, Fabricio Andre, you know. Well, Baby Shark's another one of those guys Jesus. because that guy grew up. And this is a guy, like, I hadn't heard of him. And then I, I, I just got a brief kind of summary of his story. I was like, well, that, of course, makes sense, right? He, he's the son of a black belt. Yeah. Doesn't even, doesn't even know that he's learned. Like, he's doing it because... I just grew up in the gym. He doesn't know any better. I like oh, to no, surf. That's the thing. I the, like to surf. Well, that's the thing. So this is the thing about a lot of these kids, like Colabate. He's the son of a black belt. Yeah. You know? Um, you know, his dad is Atos. I'm sorry, um, AOJ yeah. black belt from the Mendes brothers. Um, and his dad, listen, I've seen his dad train. He's a savage himself. I've never seen him compete. Um, but, you know, his dad is a savage himself. Um you know, so that's, I think that's the difference. A lot of us, you know, I started in, in my early mid twenties, jujitsu, you know, yes, I, I come, you know, I did judo before, but these kids started with jujitsu. Yep. When they were four, five, six, seven years old and 10 years later, yeah, you have a blue belt winning the ADCC trials, but it's not a blue belt that started training two, three years ago. No, they're really a black belt. He has 10, 12 years of training already. You know, that's the big difference. And, and I think that's going to be more and more common. I think the level of jujitsu is going to really shoot up because if you look at any under any other individual sport and I, my big sport coming up that I ended up playing in college was tennis. Tennis is, they started five, six, seven. Yeah. And by the time you're 16, 17, you're deciding if you're going to go pro or not. Right. Because you, you put in your 10 years. Yes. Right? And, you're, and you've developed the skill. So with these jujitsu guys that are growing up, not only they're starting young, but they're starting young with a high-level coach around them. In this case, their father generally. Right. You know, but they're going out to the gym. They're developing a skill set that's amazing. Now, the thing that's going to take it even farther is as the training methodologies get more mature. Absolutely. 
now more you, scientifical. There's exactly, more, more exactly as you have more John Danaher's, uh, you know, as as things become standardized, like this is how you develop a a, a jujitsu person, a yeah. jujitsu athlete, then the level is going to go up even more. Um, but yeah, it's only natural. I mean, you, you can't. If you started when you were 18, 19, 20, you can't compete with a guy who's been doing it for 10 years yeah. and he's 20. Well, 100%. 100%. <laughs> you know? So it's, uh, that's tremendous. So what, uh, obviously you, you, you named some of the, the names that really you know, stood out to you at, at the Brazilian trials. Oh, man, there's, and there's a lot more. So you know, some of these, one guy that did not even win uh, Jesus, I wish I could. His first name is Wesley. Um, I think he's a Dream Arts. Um, Dream Arts, that gym came to make some noise. Uh, and I know they've been making some noise for quite some time in the gi scene mainly. But, you know, they really truly came to, to, to rattle some cages um, at the trials. You know, there's... Um, and there was, there's a huge number of guys, but... I think at least concerning ADCC, I think there's a big discrepancy on understanding the rule system between probably Europe and the northern US. Um, because there were some guys that I know they're very good making some simple mistakes, strategic mistakes. Yeah. Um, even to the point on one of my mats, there was a guy that if the match would have ended 0-0 and then the overtime would have ended 0-0, we would have given it to him. But after the point periods began, he sat to guard and then didn't do much else. So at that point, he's down negative one. Yeah. When the match finished... Obviously, his opponent won, and he came to me. What happened? How, how did you know? How did I lose? And I'm like, dude, you sat to guard after points. You you got a negative one. What part of that you do not understand? No negative points. If I sit, to, I can't sit to guard the first half of the match. Oh no! So he had it backwards. That's what oh, I mean. That's what Jesus. I mean. I think I just misspoke, but. He had it backwards. Yeah. He thought that he could not set guard on the first period of the match. So it is clearly a misunderstanding. And that's the no the, points period. Right. Yeah. So, and there were some other little, again, little, I'll tell you a guy that I think, I hope that he has dual citizenship and he competes on the West Coast trials. I haven't, I don't think I have seen his name, uh, but I hope he does. And he's Tiago Sa. Tiago Sa. Yeah. That guy, I knew he had he had a he had or he still has a school. I wanted I think it's in Charleston, South Carolina. Um man, he's really good. Very, very good. I think he did podium. Uh I forget which one, but again, very good, tough guy. Majig Hey, again, podium at all three trials, I believe now. Um no, two out of the three so far. Um, you know, he lost a very controversial match in Sao Paulo, I believe. Um, I I honestly have not watched his match yet, but I know he made some comments to me, and again, I have to watch it kind of like 
break it down exactly what my thoughts and judgment w would be. But again, you know, um, the leg lock game, I think it's a little bit more advanced here in the U.S. and the understanding of the leg lock game, it's a little bit different, which obviously has been kind of revolutionary in the last couple of years sure. in the game. Um, but man, there's the, the quality, it's, it's very different. You know, the styles, um, it's very different. It's just, you know, this younger generation, um, I think the, they understand the full concept of being an athlete, you know, not just jujitsu, but a full athlete concept, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you, you know, well, how'd you get better at, let's say, your strength for jiu-jitsu? Train with heavier guys. How'd you get more that's cardio Marcelo. for jiu-jitsu? You know, well, then do jiu-jitsu faster. Yeah, you know? that's the Marcelino right yeah, there. But, but I think nowadays, these guys are understanding better nutrition, supplementation, strength and conditioning, you know, weightlifting for just specific sport. And then the technical perspective and then the competitive perspective of it. They understand better how to manage their weight, their body, their conditioning, how to maintain somewhat perhaps more injury-free, um, you know, and they're younger. The body recovers a little bit quicker. Yeah. So I think that overall perspective, I think we're going to be seeing some younger names in the next 10 years, like you say. So, so on, that, on that note, like if I – if I remember correctly, historically, people that make ADCC Worlds via the trials have not done well results-wise at, at Worlds. Is that correct? That's typically the invitees that are the ones that uh, podium and win. Man, that is, that is actually something that I have not given some thought, like, thoroughly. Um, but it's... I can see why you can make that argument. You have certain people that went their their regional trials and they don't perform as well. And I think part of that has to do with experience because, you know, let's look at, you just men mentioned Marcelo Garcia a moment ago. Marcelo Garcia did not win his trials when, you know, the Brazilian trials, I think it was what, 2005? I don't, he did not. He placed second at the trials. He was a last minute invite. Marcelo Garcia was a last minute invite. He was a replacement. And then he came in and changed jujitsu forever. So I guess my, my question is I feel like, given what we just said about this younger generation, I think we're looking at a high, and I don't, I don't have the stats, but that was my feeling was that generally it was historically, if you were invited, those are the guys that had a better chance of podiuming and winning. I wouldn't say a better chance of podium. Not better I, chance, I, but, but that, those but ones here's, historically have. But here's what I think it is. I think a lot of the invites are people that have certain amount of experience, mm -hmm. um, you know, and they perhaps have not... They've been in ADCC before, and they perhaps did not podium or medal, uh, you know, in their prior events and in prior ADCC, but they did really well. So the next event coming in, the next two years. And they're prime now. Now yeah. they understand, the, you know, the rules better. They, they can strategize better, and they have two years to improve. And they're used to the environment. They've been there. They've been on that And they're used to, you know, 
there's a mental perspective that a lot of people miss. ADCC Worlds is ADCC Worlds. It's only once every two. It used to be every year. It's only once every two years. There is a psychological pressure to that that you can only experience being there. When there's only three mats on the whole stadium and you have X amount of people watching you, you're the center of attention, that's a little bit different. And this is something else that I think also that your generation are more accustomed to because guess what? There's more invite events now than ever. You know, how many invite events now, you know, just even regionally now, sure. we have. We, we have one every two, three weeks, you know, even for Bluebell versus Bluebell, you know, it, it you get, you know, you call John Smith versus, you know, Jose Del Reyes that nobody knows except the people from their gym, but now they're on a stage, one versus one, nobody else, 100% vision on you. And you and I, in my opinion, that is something that you can learn and experience and get over those butterflies and that nervousness by experience. And that applies also to the judges and referee. You know, one thing that I'm fortunate of, I've been with ADCC over 20 years. I've had some of the best guys in the world get in my face and try to me overturn my decision. You know, just because they think they did more, but then when they see the real video back time, like, nah, this is why you look. Oh, yeah, you're right. I'll give you a perfect example. Fabrizio Werdum. I have Fabrizio Werdum harass the hell out of me for <laughs> 24 hours continuously when he lost to Andre Galvao in ADCC in New, in New Jersey. He came to my table. He took his shirt off, threw it at me. We <laughs> bumped each other in the lobby of the hotel. He called me cabrón, pendejo in Spanish because yeah. he speaks a little bit of Spanish. Yeah. You know, the, every time he saw me, he would, he saw me at breakfast the next day getting ready to go to the airport and he was yelling me across the restaurant, cursing me out. And I said to him, he's like, watch the match later. Guess what? Year after in Barcelona, he apologized. There you go. Because he's like, no, I get it. I see what you're saying. <laughs> you know, but again, I'm like, dude, I'm not going to back up just because you think that you'd, you know, how many times you've been on a match? It's like, oh, I think I did better. But then when you look back and like, oh, yeah, I kind of like missed. Oh, I messed that up. That really sure. wasn't what I was in my head. Um, but, you know, as a referee, as a judge, I think that is also. Again, you have, this is one of the reasons why we're going through all these seminars and we want to get these guys because you can watch a video and you can read the rules all you want and watch videos and back, rewind, forward, rewind and watch. And, but until you're there and you don't have a moment to rewind and you got to make that judgment on the fly, it's, it's again, it's something that can only be learned with true experience you know you have a lot of referees that are timid and the referees not at least on adcc the referees not the even one giving the points but you see ajp and ibjjf is one of the most common complaints from the public that ibjjs referees are terrible you know i don't think they're all terrible 
do I think that they do have a large a, 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 an issue of refer cons- proper a, referee training? A consistency issue. A consistency issue? Right. Yes, I think they do, and I think it'd be better. Um, for example, we have an AJP tournament coming up in Orlando on April 16th, and one of the things that I've made sure is that all of the referees are well-versed and have refereed quite a bit before just on AJP rules. Not only that, I'm making every referee go through the course not once, not twice, three times. Because what? Because as an athlete, as a competitor, I want to make sure that the the athletes are have the every chance possible for things to go their way you know and how can i do that as an organizer make sure that my staff is trained properly so you know i think that's also a big a big conception a big concept i'm glad you brought that up i was actually going to bring it up uh and you you actually beat me to the punch here but so there's an event an agb event coming up in orlando April 17th, 16th, 16th and 17th, Do- Dover Shores Community Center. Correct. This, I think, is a big deal because I see a lot of the, you know, the top grapplers in the world, either they travel to Europe or they're already European out there and right. they compete in these AGP events and they ultimately go to the World Championships in Abu Dhabi, I believe, Correct. is where they have them. And uh, there hasn't been an opportunity really for a while to do one of these events in the United States. So... What brought it back to the U.S. And, and what could that mean moving forward, having AGP, if this goes well, having more events in the United States? Because I think this is a big deal. It's something that's, that I don't think people realize. If you watch what it looks like in Abu Dhabi for the people that qualify for this event, they have walkouts. They have music. There's a big fanfare. This is not a low-budget thing. This is, I would almost argue they, they treat the athletes with a little more prestige than you would get at a world's for IBJJF, not putting anything on IBJJF. They do a great job, but you know, AGP brings a, they bring a, they're an equally big organization that just don't, they don't have necessarily the footprint on the United States yet. Well, here's the thing. Um, I don't know about the past. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I know that again, AJP has a very good foothold in Europe, Asia, and South America. Um, I, I don't, you know, for whatever reason, um, AJP at one point was very popular here in the US and kind of whittled down a little bit. And, and, and every event is like that. It's, there's it's, there's this ups and downs. Um, but, you know, we were able to connect with, you know, some of the guys, the leadership at AJP, and they gave us the opportunity to be able to be a part of it and told us, it's like, listen, what can we do in the US? And, you know, so let's get started. This is gonna be our first event of the season for 2022. And we are honored to be part of it. And we wanna grow the AJP brand also in the US. So we're working very diligent. We're gonna do the first one here in Orlando. We already have some ideas and some things that we have presented to AJP headquarters for you know future events here in the US. And we wanna give the opportunity to the North American public without having to travel to Europe, having to travel to Asia, or having to travel down to South America and gain points because 
by your performance in AJP, the regional event, you gain points to be able to be seated into the Grand Slam or King and Queen of the Mats. Um, because AJP has a couple of several big events. And if with, you compete, if someone signs up and competes in this tournament or in Orlando, they have the opportunity to accrue points that will allow correct. them to potentially To get potentially played. compete at the Grand Slam okay. or King of the uh, King of the Mats, Queen of the Mat, um, at, at the bigger events, you know, um, overseas, or maybe, you know, we have some 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 diligent work that we've been doing. Uh, for December at the end of the year 2022 um, you know and we are looking to hopefully have a big event here in the US but you know they give us this opportunity so we're again April 16th will be the first part um, Dover Shores Community Center in Orlando it's a brand new community center it's beautiful um, you know very nice very convenient um, you know, again, it's very comfortable to be able to travel to Orlando. It's relatively inexpensive. You know, lodging is also relatively inexpensive because Orlando is such a touristy area. Um, I mean, IBGJ has been doing Pan Americans the last you yeah. know few years here and in the in the region because and again, it's you have to think logistically what is best not only for the organization um, but also for the competitors, for the spectators. Um, you know, so we're looking to work that we've been. You know, all the matches of AJP will be through, you know, we'll be able to watch them through their YouTube channel, but also all the finals and uh, all the black belt final divisions as well. We have partnered up with Fight TV. Okay. Um, you know, Fight TV, I'm actually familiar with them. Yeah. So we're, it's going to be broadcasted through Fight TV. So we're pretty excited about that as well. And again, we're looking forward towards the future to be able to grow the AJP brand and give the opportunity to the athletes to be able to compete at the Grand Slam because again traditionally you look at the Grand Slam most of the champions are either from South America or European you know and you have a somewhat of a limited number of North American participants we want to be able to change that so what's the registration process like for an athlete because you have to you can't just register you have to get a membership of AGP is that correct yeah but it's literally free okay so you just have to register. You could go to ajptour.com, um, you know, and register your yourself in the academy. Your academy has to register with ajptour.com as well. But again, it's free. It's just documentation, okay? And that's actually one of the great things that AJP does is documentation. Why? Because, you know, again, at their elite levels, they do have some really nice prices, we don't want some person to be a sandbag at the sure. you know at the purple belt brown belt level at the grand slam so you know and that's that's all it is it's just registration it takes five minutes your academy is registered you know your gym your instructor has to register that's it doesn't cost a dime they are some other memberships that have a little bit of cost but it's also minimal and they gather some other benefits and there's you know additional training instructionals referee training for the you know so so the gym owners can really learn how does the ajp rule set applies and they can train that 
in the academies, which I think is an integral part as a coach that you should do within your academies. But for someone just wanting to sign up, like, hey, we want to sign up for this tournament, there's no additional cost. They just have to go register. Well, there's a, only the registration All the fee. Registra- but it's not like the IBJJF where no, you, you don't have need, to get, you have to get no. approval. You have to make sure you're... you're, you're <laughs> which I think that's insane, but whatever. You know, It's not that experience. Make sure you're registered, but it's free to register with the organization. And at that point... You yeah. just have to sign up for the yeah. tournament. If you like want you additional things, then obviously, you know, you want to do, you know, if you want, like, for example, one of the things that AJP does, they actually teach, they have, you know, instructionals, like technique instructionals. Sure. When, if you want that, yeah, they're going to charge you a little Absolutely. bit extra for that. Absolutely. You don't have to get that. Now, I remember you talking to me about this uh, many months ago, and in reality, AGP is the gi variant of, ADCC in a way. Um, yes and no. It, it, it's two different organizations. Two different organizations, absolutely. Two different heads. Two different. Two different animals. I actually AJP does have a no gi division. The rules are completely different. Um, is but the event in, in Orlando both gi and no gi? Yes, gi and no gi. Okay, you know, good. and we've made it very reasonable. If you register within the registration frame time. It's eighty-five bucks. Oh yeah, that's cheaper than that's cheaper. It's than cheaper Naga, than other events, that's you know. Where than a Naga or New Breed, you know. Listen, I'm I'm not <laughs> calling anybody else out. I'm just saying I know that it's more reasonable than most major events, and you are truly participating if you look at, you know, AJP is a very prestigious organization, um, and again, my my personal perspective is that. You know, we could probably do a little bit better on the branding and marketing. Um, but, you know, if you look at who's who in the gi world, they're all been wanting to compete in AJP. Sure. You know, there's other options out there. We are that other option. Absolutely. We're here and we're trying to make it happen. So give us uh, kind of a, a high level. What are some of the main differences rule set wise between your traditional IBJJF rule set, which we've talked about? is many pages long and differs depending on but in, in terms of are there any major departures for a gi player that they could expect when signing up for an agp event a little, uh, yes and no they're actually very similar in nature okay but the biggest concept that you will see and the biggest difference that you will notice ajp forces you to be more aggressive okay stalling and penalties come a lot quicker okay okay so what does that do it forces you to move it forces you to chase that submission not only chase the submission it forces you to improve your position why because you're not going to be able to sit on half guard for 30 seconds to a minute you know you're not going to be able to sit on side control for that amount. You need to improve your position consistently. The other thing is one of the things that I personally like. So that quote-unquote stalling time is not tracked by the referee. The referee has a lot to do already. In AJP, the referee is the point caller and you know, kind of managing the match, right? Well, that t- stall time it is tracked by the table. So the referee can concentrate on his job. Now he doesn't have to be looking at a watch. Yeah, or yeah, try, yeah. Oh, oh, shoot, I gotta set my what? 
listen, let's focus on what the referee needs to focus, which is the match in front of him. So with that being said, I, I think those are the biggest concepts that m make a difference. And when you watch most AJP matches, they're very entertaining compared to some of the traditional other event gi matches where guys are a little bit more methodical, a little bit slower. Or there's a, there's a, there's a flurry of movement and then they settle into a position. And Correct. Then, then you're just there. Correct. The In AJP, you, you, traditionally, you're going to see movement and movement and more movement and more technique because if the, the, rule, the way that the rule set is set up is intended to force movement. and if someone is stalling is that a point penalty do they get stood up What's you get warnings you get pe and then you get penalties okay. but we want it again the purpose is we want continuous action we want to continuous movement so and also is the referee instructions and commands are not what i call as sterile as other events where the referee doesn't talk to the participants and is so rigid and kind of cold, you know, AJP, you know, you are, no, oh, shoot, okay. Oh, I got a warning. Oh, I got a penalty. I need to, you know, we want the the people to know what's going on. So there's you know, more verbal communication. So communication. there's a little bit more communication with gotcha. the athletes. Gotcha. And uh, from a point scoring point of view, um, similar to what we expect in other, what we see in other GI events where it's like, you know, two for a takedown, three yeah, for Yeah, the points is pretty much what traditionally is. Okay. You know, two for takedown, three for guard. Are pass, there advantages? Yes. There are advantages. Yeah. Okay. Um, what do people need to do to sign up? I, I, it's it's One, smooth comp, right? Well, it, so it's weird. You have to go through ajptour.com. Okay. But the platform is smooth comp. So it will link to your, you know, your contact information, and it pretty much does the same kind of background as... Uh, you know, as that platform and, you know, it'll give you time when your match should be coming up. And this is the other thing we, you know, this is where the difference is as organizers, we have the freedom and we will be looking to move the mats where sometimes you go to some events, well, we kind of announce and the time here and then, and then you have a mat or two or three mats completely dead but nobody on the yeah. mats we don't want that you know nobody wants to go to an event from 9 a.m to 9 p.m amen no, to that no one <laughs> wants to do that so we're going to push this mats consistently we will be busy all day what does that do we start at 9 30 a.m 10 a.m we want to be done by 5 p.m you know and let's move forward gotcha so that again agp tour 600 orlando april 16th 17th dover shores community center go to agp look up agp tour online to get all the information you need and you'll ultimately be registering through smooth comp uh i'm excited about this and i really hope it goes well i was bummed i had my surgery because i was planning to compete in it and uh i'm trying to get people at the gym to sign up. I know some people that are signing up for it. So if they haven't already, they will. And I think it's a great, uh, especially for the price point, I think it's a hell of an opportunity for people in the area. And I'm hoping people outside of, or, you know, in the Southeast make the effort to travel down and, and participate. Which is another reason why, again, logistically, let's think about things. If you have an event down in Miami or Fort Lauderdale area in the Southeast Florida, which is, 
let's be honest, is the majority of the population of participants in jiu-jitsu is in the state of Florida. Yeah, we're probably going to get big numbers from down there. But some people from Central Florida area, whether it's Tampa, Orlando, or the Treasure Coast, may go down to the Southeast Florida. But now we're limiting the people further up north in the Panhandle, the people in the northeast corner of the state, the people on, on the south, you know, Atlanta. You know, when you look at, it's a nine-hour drive from Fort Lauderdale to Atlanta. But it's only a five-hour, four-hour drive from Atlanta to Central Florida. Exactly. You know, it's only a two-hour drive from Tampa to Orlando. It's only an hour, an hour and a half drive from Jacksonville to Orlando. You know, it's a three-hour. So being in the center, logistically, we want to be able to give people the comfort that I don't have to travel that far to find a good quality event. And it can be used as, as, you know, you tell your significant other, hey, you know, I'm gonna go compete and we can spend time in Universal, we can spend time in Disney. That's another. And you get that, that two for one where Absolutely. you're not just going to some place where all they're offering is jujitsu, you've got, like you said, a tourist We have a lot of things, we have a lot of things to do in the region, which again, it's another thing that we generally did think about, um, you know, it is, you know, we're doing this event during the spring break season nationwide. So, you know, if your spring break falls within that weekend, you know, and you're, let's say, late 20 and you got a family, you can come down, compete. Well, I'm taking the kids to the park, you know, to the parks and, exactly. you know, have a, some a, our family spring vacation and, you know, kind of like a, a two for one sort of deal. So we've got AGP. April 16th, 17th here in Orlando. When again are the West Coast Trials? West Coast Trials will be April 2nd and 3rd, and the rules seminar will be April 1st in Vegas, Nevada. So you've got your, you've got your next month is, is jam-packed. Sure is. So you head out west first, you get that stuff done, you come back, you got AGP event here in Orlando. Uh, after that, do you have anything between then and Worlds in September? Yeah, we have a couple other events planned. Again, we're still logistically trying to work those little details. But then the big banger will be September 16th weekend. Actually, the whole week, pretty much, um, at the Thomas & Mack Arena, Las Vegas, Nevada, for the ADCC World Championships. And, you know, the, the production alone is going to be insane, just like any Metallica uh, concert just like any Rammstein concert. I'm throwing a little hint there. Um, <laughs> it's going to be absolutely insane. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued a lot by just the seminars. Yeah, You're oh my God, like Jesus semin Christ. Seminars with all these legends. $400 for the seminar. Go to adcc-official.com. For the seminars, you are going to have, what is it, 12? of the world's most legendary names teaching you some of their trade techniques. You have Roger Gracie. You have Marcelo Garcia. Mark Kerr. Hold on. Let's talk about this. If you are a true fan of the sport, you know who Or pride. Or pride for that matter. <laughs> okay. You have Mark Kerr, who's a legend, not only in MMA and jiu-jitsu, but in wrestling and he's going to teach some of his best techniques and strategies that helped him 
achieve the success that he he got. And you get to meet him. And you get to meet him. You get to take pictures with him. You know, Marcelo Garcia, who revolutionized the jiu-jitsu game. You know, Ricardo Arona, who went to win an ADCC championship unscored. Never was scored. You know, you know, Kira Gracie, a female revolutionary in the game. You know, I think Zanji's going to be there. Shanda Hibedo, who's actually, I think, has also gone on. Probably, when you look at Shanda Hibedo's, I'm not sure, maybe like one or there might be less than four people in the world that has ever passed his guard. You know? Hansel Gracie. Listen, Hansel Gracie is one of those guys that if you don't like him, there's probably something wrong with you. <laughs> you know? He, he might be a little wild and a little bit crazy and out there, but that's kind of part of his charm. You know? I mean, it's just mind-boggling. But hold on. Now, just, just real quick. Let's say you missed out on the tickets to actually see ADCC, the competitive event. Sure. That doesn't preclude you from registering for this. Absolutely not. So get, I mean, if, if you want to just be on the mats with these legends. But hold on. But then, but then <laughs> we will be doing the ADCC Open where you are going to compete at the freaking Thomas and Mack Arena on the mats. Hold on. On the mats that the world championships will take place hold on with the judges for the world championships hold on surrounded by all the freaking legends and the participants of the 22 adcc world championships listen man if you miss this it's because you freaking want to <laughs> if you miss this and, and listen from probably most of anywhere in the continental u.s is more than likely a less than a four hundred dollar ticket, and probably a direct flight to travel and direct flight. Usually a direct flight, absolutely. This is this is going to be an event that everybody's going to talk about for the next several years. That's going to be for sure. You know, it's going to be extremely tough to to match the level of production, the level of of the the, the logistical perspective alone. You know. If you are a fan of grappling, this is your fight week, so to speak, because it really, truly is. And, and we've talked about it compared to what you'd see in the UFC. Uh, you know, all the athletes, all these guys that are legends, in addition to the guys that are competing now, way more approachable than any other sport, whether Listen. it's the UFC or baseball or NFL. You're not going to be able to be. A competing on the mass beforehand, but you're not going to be able to walk around and be able to shake guy's hands Listen, just, how many people have gotten to train or let's let me rephrase that how many people have hit batting practice at at yankee stadium with Derek jeter <laughs> with a rod <laughs> how many people that place uh, so listen you, you just hit me in the heart i'm a baseball guy <laughs> how many people can practice how to be a first baseman with dong maddenly <laughs> you don't basketball how many people get to learn how to dunk or do a jump shoot from Michael Jordan? That doesn't happen. Guess but what? You will have this opportunity in our sport. You know, are you going to be able to, you know, learn how to throw a Hail Mary from Tom Brady? No. But you can learn an arm drag from Marcelo Garcia. 
yeah. or how to, you know, his intricacies and details. Everybody can throw a ball. Everybody can do a little, you know, jump, you know, little jump shot. But are you going to learn the little details that make these guys that successful? No, that's the beauty of jujitsu. These guys are 10 times more approachable, you know, and let's forget, let's, let's put this on the side. There's going to be probably, you want to learn how to be a social media influence in the sport. Guess what? Some of the biggest social media influencers of the sport will be there. And 99% of these guys, hey, man, can I hit you up for a question? Let me take a picture with you. And they will say yes. 99.9% of the times, all these guys will say, sure, no problem. You know? Bo, you know, Bo Nickel, you know, he's he's going to be there. And you're going to be able to, hey, man, listen, I saw you do this one shot at the NCAA championship, and, and I want to learn how to, and guess what? They might stop on the freaking hallway and show it. To you they're right gonna, there on the freaking carpet. All right, man, I got to go to dinner, but let me show you how to do this real quick. <laughs> so why? Because that is kind of sort of the nature of our sport. Yes. But when are you going to have the opportunity to do that with all these people at once in the same, same place. place? Exactly. On the same week. And you're going to, chances are, if you stay at one of the hotels, you're going to probably run into these guys in the, I mean, if anyone hasn't been to Vegas, you know, whatever hotel you are in, you're going to run into a lot of these people in the casino downstairs, in the lobby, in the elevator, in the hallways, because if an event takes over Vegas or takes over an area in Vegas, you don't just run into those people at the event. You run into those people in the hotel on the way over. It just you just that whole event and and group of people just takes over that area. Having just, lunch, having dinner, having exactly. a cup of coffee at five o'clock in the morning. You know, it, it's pretty interesting, you know, and all the hotels for the athletes. And I know um, ADCC management has worked out certain special deals with about three different hotels in the area. There will be on their ADCC website. It's going to be all there. Um, but, you know, I know the Mandalay Bay is going to be the primary hotel for staff and athletes. Guess what? I guarantee it. You want to take some pictures. You want to, you know, shoot the breeze. You want to meet some of these guys. They're going to be in the lobby of the Mandalay at one point or another. You know, they're going to be in the pool of the Mandalay at one point or another. So, you know, even if you were stupid enough and haven't bought your tickets to get into the event, you know, you're going to have opportunity to actually still have a great time. Absolutely. And we haven't even talked about how stacked the divisions are. I know, like, I'm a believer that things typically over time will get better, but... You said it. This is beyond can't miss in terms of an event. Absolutely. And, and the, the, I know we haven't filled up all the brackets yet, but I know Mo posted something. I think it was the, the 66 division. And the names on that list just, I don't think you've seen anything that stacked ever in grappling. The fact that we've got such a mixture, not only of, of you know, high level grapplers, but guys that, haven't necessarily put their toe in the water recently. Guys like uh, Ryan Hall, yeah, massive following, and now he's gonna. Now people are gonna see is the wizard. Where well, he's he stack thing. up to the heat of the modern day grappler. 
there you go. I'm glad that you made that specific difference. Modern day grappler. Ryan Hall is a former medalist in ADCC. Yes. I believe he took silver. He he lost silver think, or bronze. I think he lost a Hafa. Or he, there was one Again, thing in there where he was a purple belt and he was just like, I was doing okay. And then I ran into this guy named Mendes. <laughs> Listen, you know, what's funny. You mentioned Rafa because when, when I get, you know, and I get a lot of people asking me, you know, how do I get to become a ref for ADCC? Well, I always tell you this. Number one, this is the steps you need to take. Attend one of the official seminars. Number two, show genuine interest in learning the rules and being part of the staff and get in contact with one of the head staff members so we can, you know, put you on the list and do what we can do. Show genuine interest. So you need to put some work. But then again, I'm going to give you some homework. Watch Rafa Mendes versus Cobrina score that match. <laughs> and every, every time... When I tell people that it takes them about a week to get back to me, man, I watched that match 17 times. Holy crap. In that match is just, well, in they're, my they're, opinion. They're legendary. fascinating guys because, and I remember even, you know, Coach Paul bringing them up. It's like they would have won way more world championships if it weren't for the fact that they competed at the same time in the same division. 100%. And Gobrinha, and they would just. One one time one guy would win, the other time another guy would win. One hundred percent. And they were just, you know, if they tough. would have been ten kilos off, you know, which is twenty pounds difference. Yeah. Or, you know, or even in some of the other events worldwide, you know, within ten pound difference from one another, each guy would be, you know, way a lot more accomplished than what they are today. And again, like you said, for the simple fact that they all ended up facing each other. Yeah. But going back to Ryan Hall. You know, Ryan Hall is not a spring chicken and unknown. I mean, the guy has an incredible submission rate in his winning record of the in MMA. Sure. You know, Ryan Hall is a legit, very knowledgeable, very methodical grappler. He's very skilled. He may not look impressive, but he is impressive. He's he he is good. And regardless of what some people may say, oh, he's just a good purple belt. Oh, man, Ryan Hall is a legit bad dude, you know? Absolutely. Um, you know, regardless of what the social media thinks of him and his comments nowadays, that's over there. But, you know, it's exciting to see. And a lot of people are questioning, well, well, why Ryan Hall? He getting invited. He hasn't done anything. Dude, the guy's a former medalist on the event. You know, there's only a handful of people that can claim that. Uh, oh, this is actually the trials. My bad. I had a list here of all the guys that were already... Oh, dude, the, the actual divisions. The actual, but you know what? I'll just say this. This is this. I thought at when I first looked at this, I was like, oh yeah, this is the sixty-six kilo division at Worlds. No, this is this is the trials. Keith Krikorian, Gianni Grippo, Josh uh, Cis, uh, Cisneros, Cisnero, Damian Anderson, Ben Eddy, John Calistine, yeah, Johnny Acasiao, Andrew Tackett, Elijah Tagalog, and Adam Benio uh, Benioan. Benny Young, yeah, Benny Young, man. Dude, All these this guys. is the thing. And I thought this was the main card. This no. is this. Yeah, and you would trial. think so. In any other event, that would be the main feature freaking card. <laughs> no, this is just the trials. These guys are hoping to get at the world championships. So it's absolutely insane. I'll just rattle off some names that are in the 66 division. Not all of them. 
Well, we mentioned Ryan Hall. We've got Diego Pato, Gio Martinez, Ethan. I always, I always fuck up his name. Carl Stein. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> the Canadian from the B team. Diego Heiss. Um, That's Baby Shark. Baby Shark. Uh, Gabriel Souza. Fabricio Andre. You had mentioned him oh, already. He is a machine. And Mika's in 77. But... Hold oh, on. My, uh, and of course, Mikey Musaneshi. Mikey Musaneshi. Juan. I forget how to pronounce his uh, uh, his last name. Again, Juan at one point was Kennedy, number one. What was his name? Kennedy. Kennedy Marcial Cobrinha's son, who was medalist last year. So He it, lost to Tanquinho, silver medalist last year. I mean, last event, rather. Just, last year. That's just one. Now, some of the legends that are, to me, that are exciting to see. Rafael Lovato is going to be there competing. Shonda Hibedo. Sanjay Ribeiro is coming back. You've got Mason Fowler, who's made a name for himself recently. I mean, Felipe Pena. I mean, this is Yuri Simone. Anybody that you think is good, anybody you bought an instructional from is in this event. Hold on. The 99-plus division, 99-plus division, if I'm not mistaken, has five former ADCC world champions in that bracket alone. Five former world champions. Gordon Ryan, Felipe Pena, Orlando Sanchez. Oh, God. Now I'm getting stuck. Who, who else? Um, I don't know if Buchecha is going to be there or not. Um, Kynan is, un- is doing Kynan went doing to under. 88. He, yeah, he's going. 88 or 99? Mi- 99, 99 under. He's not 99 over. But again, I know that there's five world champions. And Nicky Rod. Nicky Rod, who silvered <laughs> last year. <laughs> Cyborg's in there, I'm sure. Cyborg, former world champion and absolute champ. You know? It, it just, it's just... And then take a quick peep at the 77 division who usually tends to be the most athletic and most competitive division no, i mean i'm not taking anything away from anybody but you have you know returning two-time world champ jt torres looking for do a three okay yeah you got kids. you have mika galvao who spent less than six minutes on the complete trials roberto jimenez uh, roberto jimenez who i think went with all submissions at the Sao Paulo trials. And if he wasn't all submissions, he might have missed just one match with no submission. And arguably what most people consider, or a lot of people consider the most exciting grappler to watch, For Gary sure. Tonin. Gary, Gary Tonin, you know, another former medalist. Nikki Ryan is in there. You know? See, I see I'm just scrolling through Davi Ramos. I'm starting to scroll here. Davi Ramos, former oh, Lucas champion. Lepre. Okay, so Lucas Lepre, who come on, dude. If listen. For, for the fans listening, if you don't know who Lucas Lepre, do yourself a favor and do some homework. Lachlan Giles. Who made Lachlan Giles, who made ruckus last year, submitting, Oliver Taza. submitting some savages oh, on the absolute. We forgot, in the 66th division, we still have Colabate. Oh, to <laughs> That's, hold on, now he's a purple belt and 17 years old. So it is, the list goes on and on. It's, uh, this is, you know, can't miss. You know, I think there's a lot of buzz coming out of the last one two years ago. There was certainly a jump in production value, in attention, and now it's only grown. And I think, um, you know, you and the rest and the rest of the team have done a hell of a job finding a way to get all 
the best grapplers in the world under one roof. Yeah, it's, and and the and the shame thing is, we look at the trials, and I just like I said, I thought it was the actual world. There's a shit ton of guys that are going to be on the outside looking in that absolutely. are more than are capable. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. There's going to be a lot of people that listen on any given day. It could have been them at the world. It could have been them at the world championships, but they're going to be in the fan stands. I mean, I'm still waiting. I I would I would have thought by now uh, William Tackett would be in, but he's not in yet. He's not in. He has not <laughs> won. He has not won, and uh, what am I call it? A trials yet. Yeah, because he he's still he is in the trials coming up on the he West is, Coast. And has, you know, one of the best U.S. grapplers at his weight class. So, I tell, listen, that seventy-seven division at the trials, you can take the top sixteen guys on the trials, and that could be the next world championship for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I'm looking at these. I'm looking at these names here. You got Tackett, Cody Steele, uh, John Satava, Black Belt under Marcelo, Placido Santos, the Uke of of John Danner. This guy. <laughs> The guy you see in all the BJJ fanatics, yeah, um, PJ Barch, very uh, who medaled guy. at the last trials but did Michael not win. Liera. I mean, it's just this is insane, absolutely insane. So it's cool that it's it's this has become the Super Bowl, the World Cup. Yeah, for sure. The world. I, I would compare it more with the World, world Cup. Cup than is more appropriate. It's not the Super Bowl. It's the World Cup of of grappling. And yes, uh, they've officially. This was five days ago. They already hit over a thousand competitors. Yeah, yeah. I know we're using eight mats just so we can handle the sheer amount of competitors and be able to do this in a timely fashion. You know, with all the with all the things that a live production usually tends to have, um, getting proper staffing, and again, you know, if anybody has any questions on how to become, because I know I've had some amount of people reach out to me and try to find out how can I become involved with ADCC again feel free to reach out to me and you know I will tell you this is what you need to do you know it's going to be a little bit of a personal time investment on in certain things but it is possible you know we have two guys that took this seminar in back in September for the road to ADCC trials in Texas and they will be judging at the world championships how about this that? year you know so but they've done their due diligence they've done their work they're very committed to it um you know and that's part of what it takes and just and, like anything and else for for what it's worth my my feeling on is if you're thinking like that this is the time to get in because it's only going to get bigger and Absolutely. things are only going to get established so if you can get in now and find a way if this is something you believe in and you want to try to assist and participate at some level at the organizational level this is the time to get in because it's only going to get bigger and and more impressive and if Absolutely. you get in early then you know as everything rises you're going to continue to rise with that so Listen, it's a man, great opportunity I, I started as the guy picking people up at the airport bringing in the coffee and passing out wristbands and you know how can i help cleaning the mats you know yeah i mean 20 years later I'm still here you know um but again it's it's um I love it. I'm super excited about it. I'm super excited about the AJP tour and the opportunities we have with AJP. I'm super stoked and excited of being able to be part of truly what I generally think, and I know this is kind of like oversaid, a historic event in the world of grappling. But anybody that knows, you could ask them. They will tell you that it's absolutely true. Absolutely. And most importantly, when uh, when is this three-on-three <laughs> showdown that we're getting rehab for listen i'm gonna say it right now 
<laughs> I ain't scared, homie. Bring it. It all started as a joke, but I'm not joking anymore. You know, Mike Sears, Ricardo Amendola, Highwell, you three punks, come and get some. ADCC versus Flow Grappling. Let's make it happen. I talked to the boss. I talked to Mo. We can make it happen if you guys want to. I want all the smoke and then some. Bring it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Carlos, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for making our 100th episode uh, this special. And I wish you a speedy recovery with the knee, man. Thank you, my man. To you, too. And hopefully, listen, hopefully our knees will be good. In September, you'll do the Open at ATCC. <laughs> and, you know, hopefully my knee will be good. Listen, I don't care if my knee is good or not. Bring those three punks in. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Oh, man.